This is episode 82 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, mamas. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. Today's episode is all about wrapping up the ages and stages series we've been going through over on kindredmom.com. I have loved this series as we have explored the various stages of our kids' development, the things that we learn, the things that we love and savor in our hearts as mamas. And today's episode includes about half of the Kindred Mom editorial team, Mary-Kate Brown, Robin Chapman, and our two newest team members, Melissa Hogarty and Bethany McMillan. It's such a wonderful time as we discuss what we felt like were the highlights of this series. And we also got into talking about just the importance and the beauty of having a virtual mom squad. Our team is really a a group of friends who are working together in the same direction to encourage moms and so we wanted to be able to share with you some ideas and some tools that we use to connect as a team and I actually connect with a couple of other groups virtually really frequently so I have created a guide that I want to share with you that you can find over on kindredmom.com slash mom squad. We talk about this towards the end of the episode today but at that time I hadn't created this resource yet. So I just wanted to make the plug in case you are interested in checking that out. You can go and download it for yourself and see if it will help you cultivate a community um, through virtual means, even though not everyone can gather in person these days. So I hope it serves you and enjoy the conversation. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome half of our Kindred Mom team as we're wrapping up the Ages and Stages series on kindredmom.com. And today's especially awesome because we are introducing on the podcast for the first time, Bethany McMillan and Melissa Hogarty, who joined our team this spring. And so I'd love to welcome you both, Bethany and Melissa. Say hello. Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm so happy to be here. Hey, I'm Bethany. It's nice to see see you guys or hear you guys, I guess. Yeah, we are, well, we are seeing each other. People can know that we record on Zoom so that we can have conversations, see each other's faces, and then we just take that audio and roll it up into our podcast uh, for the week. And so we also today have Mary-Kate Brown and Robin Chapman as we talk about the things we want to revisit from the series and also welcome our new members. So say hello, Mary-Kate and Robin. Hello. So excited to be here with you all today. Hey, guys. This one's Robin. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, we're trying to do a better job of introducing each person in their own voice so that you can hopefully follow along a little bit better on the podcast. That was Melissa's suggestion, which I never would have thought of because I get the privilege of seeing these women's faces as we talk. So it just never occurred to me that it might be harder to distinguish each voice on the podcast. But Thank you, Melissa, for that incredible suggestion. And um, I would love, Melissa, if you don't mind just giving us a little snapshot of where you live, the stage of motherhood you're in, and how it is you found out about Kindred Mom. Sure. I um, So I'm Melissa, and I live in Northern Virginia, and I have three kiddos. They are ages seven, five, and 21 months. So I'm still like really in the trenches of kind of young motherhood. And we're just, I still feel like we're dipping our toes in what it feels like to be school age parents, my husband and I, because Mm -hmm. um, we homeschooled until partway through this year. And then we homeschooled again a month later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I mostly feel like a mom of littles, even though my kids are are actually starting to grow up. Um, How did I hear about Kindred Mom? Actually, I... I heard about Kindred Mom first when I started um, thinking about 
writing stories about motherhood. And so I wanted to find out like, who writes stories about motherhood? Who tells stories about motherhood? And um, found Kindred Mom that way. And have, I've, I've been so excited to hear the stories, read the stories that you guys share, listen to the podcast. And um, you've really encouraged me in my motherhood journey. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. And I'd love to have Bethany give just a little snapshot of your family and where you live and also how you found Kindred Mom. Okay, I would be glad to. Um, this is Bethany, and we live just north of Dallas in a little town called McKinney. And um, I say it's a little town because it's considered a suburb up here, but really it's about the same size as the town in the panhandle of Texas that I grew up in. Um, I have one son. He is 13 and going into eighth grade. And so I am a little farther along in the motherhood journey, but I'm just beginning the teen mom um, part of motherhood. And so I also, even though I've been doing this for 13 years, still feel very much like a beginner. And so reading the encouragement that Kindred Mom writes has been very inspirational to me. And I look forward to the podcast each week and also the blog posts as they come out. Um, and being part of this team has been um, especially wonderful. And I look forward to lots more seasons together. Yeah, no, it's been so awesome. And we have just um, wanted to expand our team a little bit because there's just a lot of awesome projects that we've been working on behind the scenes. And so um, we're just really grateful to have you both. You're both incredible writers and really fun to just chat with and have the team rapport with you. And so uh, that's one reason why I wanted to have you here today. So our listeners could also benefit from getting to know you guys a bit. So Thanks for being here. I'm excited about having you guys on the podcast too, because you guys have both been regular contributors to Kindred Mom for a while. And I feel like in some ways, our community already knows some of your stories. They're familiar with the funny things that you've shared with about your family and your kids. And so it's just cool now to bring you on in this capacity to be able to kind of, I know, like talk back and forth and, you know, have our readers and audience hear from you in this way, in addition to the essays that you've had published on the blog for for months now. So yeah, I was thinking about it when she said like first time on the podcast, I was like, actually, I think I remember interviewing Melissa for, because we record our essays yeah. now. Um, yes. So I was it, it, I like, you guys are blacked out during that recording. Like I have no <laughs> idea what I said. During- <laughs> yeah. nervous. Well, it's funny. It's fun too, because I actually haven't done all of the recording with writers for the pieces. That's a new thing this past spring. And so sometimes I don't think about that audio being on our podcast feed, even though it totally is. Mm-hmm. So this is the first official appearance on a whole episode where we can have really group conversation. And so, yeah, just so glad to have you guys. And I'd love for us to talk about the Ages and Stages series just for a few minutes, because that's what we are wrapping up as we come to the end of June. And I feel like this has been a really lovely series. Um, There's been a lot of amazing writing on the blog or if you listen on a podcast feed. And I would just love to know what are the most memorable moments for you or what is on your mind now that we are kind of processing and wrapping up the series? I would just like to say first that this series, I feel like what a timely season that it came out in, in the season where all of us are, like where all of us are, 
sheltering in place at home with our families, with our kids. And I think it's a really unique time in the fact that families across our country are spending more time together than ever. And so I just think about what a time to be talking about the ages and stages when all of us are home with our kids. um, And we're kind of now, a lot of our country is coming into a place where we're getting back to some kind of normalcy again. But I just feel like the timing that we were talking about this here is just unique in the fact that our world was in a season where we're like at home with our families, with our kids in the trenches, in the deep. And here we are talking about, you know, just these stories of, um, you know, watching our kids grow up and watching them hit new milestones. And, you know, as moms, I think of some of the blog posts that have been shared over the past couple of months and they're, they really hit the point on a lot of these things, watching our kids grow up, um, and, and enter from one stage to the next and just really, Um, Our writers are dwelling on like the beauty of, you know, these simple moments of motherhood. And I just think of my own life that we've been able to do that in such a unique way, being home together. And it's just been really timely for me. For me, um, it was the, the word appreciation just keeps coming to mind that each one of the stories shared, there was just, um, it was full of hope and appreciation a season past, we appreciated that, or hope for a season that we're in, um, hope for a season that's coming. Um, I loved reading and hearing the stories as people reminisced about um, their children's younger ages, but at the same time, just reveled in the current stage that they're in. And I thought that was a really beautiful celebration of motherhood all the way from tiny baby beginnings um, to those that are launching their kids into something new. Mm -hmm. One of the essays that stood out to me the most in this whole series was called Before He Leaves, and it was by Jennifer Holmes. And she was talking about sending her kids off to um, college and like sending her oldest son off to college. And that's like obviously not a stage I'm in yet, but I love I just love like um, anticipating like what what might be the things that I care about. And she just had this really poignant moment where she said the thing that she decided she cared about was whether or not they love God and love others well and all of these other details she was going to let slide. Um, and I just love that. And I think everything that I wrote about for this season was kind of more like, I don't know what I'm doing. And everything that, you know, she said in that <laughs> was kind of like, well, we might not know what we're doing, but what, you know, what is the legacy that you want to leave? And I just, I love that. I love being able to see, you know, the spectrum from like little babies all the way up to grown kids through this because I'm right Mm -hmm. in the trenches in the middle. So that was beautiful for me. Yeah. Melissa, I had the same, I had the same thought. It was the, um, Michelle Marin's, um, piece. What in the world will you do with yourself? Yes. Talking about, um, the empty nest and, um, Joyce Panero's, um, was that? Hey mom, do you yeah. have 20 minutes? Thank you, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I suddenly, I remember the thing, but like all of these moms who are way farther ahead than, than I am, my oldest is nine and I, I feel very much in the trenches. My, my youngest, the three-year-old just like popped her little face in, um, and I thought she was going to start talking on the podcast for us, but, um, <laughs> but it was just, it was so hopeful to me to see these moms in the middle and high school stages, Bethany, and in um, like the kids leaving home and just the way that those relationships continue to grow. And I mean, teenagers get such a bad rap and it's, 
like I, I know I've worked with teenagers. I know that they're, they can be delightful. Um, but it's, it was so helpful to me to see moms going through it who are really enjoying it. I completely so. agree. When I read the, um, the piece by Joyce about, Hey mom, do you have 20 minutes? I thought when my son was very small, um, I asked a good friend for a you know, just advice. We don't get together very often. And I said, what would you say would be your one piece of advice? And she said, listen when they're little so that they talk when they're older. And I just thought that was so poignant. And the whole time I was reading through her piece, I just kept, that just kept echoing in my mind. And since we've been home for weeks and weeks and weeks together, um, I've reminded myself of that over and over just, you know, to go ahead and listen to the endless chatter about football stats and um, video games and things like that. So that when it is a big deal, he'll remember that I listened now. Yeah. So good. That reminds me of a conversation that um, I had with a friend of mine in response to one of our podcast episodes on leadership parenting. And she was talking about how she talked to her cousins at one point in time when they were teenagers and one of the most important things to them at that stage was no matter what the outcome of a situation, we just want to know that we feel heard and understood no matter what happens. And she was just saying, you know, my kids aren't teenagers yet, but I always try to keep that in mind that that is something important to them. And I just think that's so valuable. And even though, you know, I don't have teenage children yet, um, I've been trying to keep that in mind as well, Bethany, that they want to feel heard. They want to feel understood. Absolutely. You're so right. So one of the themes that I noticed was kind of subtly woven through a lot of different pieces, no matter what stage of motherhood might be represented in the stories is the idea of leaning in or really just checking in to our kids' worlds, wherever they are, paying attention to what matters to them and to what they need from us. And I would love to know from you ladies, if there are particular things that you do or practices or habits that you've cultivated to have check-ins where you either directly ask them, how are you doing and what do you need from me? Which at younger ages, maybe they don't respond quite to something so direct. But um, I just love to know if you intentionally communicate about those things with your kids. And if so, what tips you might give about it? We started coincidentally, like right at the beginning of the series in quarantine, um, mm-hmm. doing uh, like a rose and a thorn at dinner time, where everybody shares something good and something bad that happened to them that day. And like the little two are hilarious. Actually, often um, the the smallest one's rose and thorn is often my rose because it's just so funny. So that check in has been a random, unexpected addition to our relationships. And it's been really fun to see the kids um, like have their own space that they don't have to fight for because they're, I have four kids. So there's a lot, the dinner table is chaos. Airtime is contested. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they have, they have the floor and like, we're all focused on them. If somebody else interrupts, we're like, it's not your turn, wait till your turn. And that's been really, really fun. And then the, the other thing that I've been super mindful of probably I don't know, probably since the oldest were toddlers, but um, it's just looking them in the eyes, um, making a point of really seeing them at least, at least once a day. Like it's so, it's so easy to just get caught up in all the things that you're doing and like you're 
there are these little people that you're just trying to shepherd through the day and get get through your life um that it's it's easy to for me to just they're just in the system things are moving along and, yeah yeah you know. it's it's easy to forget that these are like little souls um so I find when I make a point of looking in their eyes and just seeing them I can keep that a little bit better in mind. Sure. Thanks so much, Robin. I feel like a lot of what you just said sort of described my parenting style. It's like almost like a fly by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I've been trying to do more intentionally, because I'm not very great at being intentional, even with my kids, I've been trying to do what I call sitting time, which means that I just like sit down and I don't like, I'm not allowed to have my phone. I'm not allowed to like get up and go like wash a dish or get up and go fold a thing. Not that I spend all my time doing chores. Mm -hmm. I don't, but I'm, I just sit down. And then if my kids come and then they walk away, like I don't get up the second they walk away. Like I just stay seated because half of the time they come back. And I've actually found that like a lot of times when they come back, they're just like so delighted that I'm still there. I'm still paying attention to them, especially, I mean, my littlest is a toddler and she is, doesn't sit still, mm-hmm. but if I'm still sitting there, when she comes back, she's like, oh my gosh, like, this is the best thing ever. Let me sit in your lap again and do another thing with you. And, you know, Babylon about who even knows what she's saying, but um, right. <laughs> it's sitting, time. Yeah. sitting time is my thing that I've been trying to do lately. And I do think it's helping me to connect with them better and and see into their hearts a little bit better so melissa that's, that's beautiful brilliant and i'm stealing it <laughs> please <laughs> <laughs> melissa said i need to do my sitting time today so i'm going to take that time <laughs> i should also be said that i'm pretty sedentary to begin with <laughs> yes. no sacrifice for me but no i think it's great that's i'm like so encouraged by both of these things that is just they're both so simple but so intentional and really really give your child like we said robin the opportunity to ha- for them to have their own space and own time and to really be heard and mm-hmm. i would say that you know recently in our family we're seeing um just a little bit of like tension. I don't know if that's the right word with my oldest, particularly, um, around school time, which we are still trying to keep up with school, we homeschool. So we try to keep a lighter schedule in the summer, but she gets really frustrated and kind of shuts down. If she feels like I give her too much help with something with school. She definitely is very independent and wants to figure it out, figure it out on her own. And this week we had a situation where I gave her too much help and she started to shut down and I just saw it and I knew it and I felt the wall go up and I was really struggling, really trying to kind of, you know, pull that wall down brick by brick, give her an opportunity to, to share how she was feeling and ask her those questions. And she was just giving me the silent treatment. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, Uh, what's something that we could do? You know, we're going to start learning about fireflies. What's something we could do that would be fun? You know, before we read this book about fireflies, just kind of learn more. And her answer was to not do school anymore. And I was just like, okay, I'm getting nowhere. And so we stopped school, stepped away. And I brought my husband into this conversation and we just gave her focused one-on-one attention together to help her understand, like, we care about you. We care about how you feel. And if you feel frustrated at mommy or daddy, that's okay. But you're free to tell us that because we want to help you. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that conversation, the two of us coming together to say, we care about your feelings and we care about your thoughts. And we want you to feel that you can share them because ultimately we want to help you. Um, 
I think that was really powerful for her because she did. She opened up and she started sharing about, you know, why she was frustrated. And we pried her brain for ideas about what we could do next time. And, you know, she was able to communicate with me, like, you know, next time it'd be helpful if you ask in this way. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it took more time. He stepped away from his work for 10 minutes so we could have this conversation, but, um, I'm just really seeing like in individual ways, how I can meet those, those needs of my children individually and, um, Mm -hmm. giving my oldest one-on-one attention is, really, really important. So that's just one thing I'm learning right now. Yeah. Mary Kate, I love that you asked her for ideas of how to help her. Um, I find that that that's worked really well, particularly with my eight-year-old who's fiery. Um, she is, oh, she turns eight in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so maybe there it's it just is. the age. There it is. Yeah. She, <laughs> man, if I ask her, she, she has, she has quite a temper. <laughs> I wrote an essay about her. Um, <laughs> She thinks I'm the worst sometimes, but if I ask her, like, how can I help you settle? Like she came up with a bunch of, she like made little three by five cards where she wrote down a bunch of different options of things she could do. She's like, I could hide or I could go away or I could have some screen time or I could like all of these, all of these ideas. And she's like, I'm just going to try one. And if it works, I'll save it. And if it doesn't, I won't. Um, so it's just to have buy-in from them is really great. Yeah. Cause it's one thing for us to say, you know, I'm going to problem solve for you. And I think as a mom of babies and toddlers, that's what we do. That's our default is to say, okay, here's the problem. I got to figure out how to fix it. And as a new mom, isn't that what we're doing 100% of the time? So as our children get older, you know, it's, it's the shift we have to make where we're like, okay, you're smart you know your needs. And my job is now to help you learn how to communicate your needs. And it's a whole new ball game, whole new thing. I love that you also just validated her feelings. Like you didn't say like, don't be Mm. mad at me. You know, you said it's okay to be frustrated at me, but help, like help us figure out how to move forward. Like, I think that's really productive. And that's one of the things that I've noticed with my kids. Like if I comment on their feelings, they open up about them. If I say, you look really mad, you know, they'll tell me why they're mad. They'll tell me what, you know, what hurt their feelings. And sometimes it's me, you know, and that's hard to hear if I'm the one that hurt their feelings. But also I do appreciate if they are willing to say, you know, exactly what's going on in their little heads, because I can't know if they don't tell me. So I think that's really cool that you did that. And I think all this goes back to what Bethany said just a couple of minutes ago, where she's like, get them to talk now so that later on they know that Mm. we're going to listen. And I think if our kids can tell us now, I mean, I don't have teenagers, but, and Bethany and Emily, you guys are more of like the pros in this area, (laughs) but like, you know, when those teenage years come, I think all of us can agree. We want our kids to be able to be honest with us about their feelings and their frustrations and their fears and all of that. So Hopefully this will set us up for success. <laughs> I hope we'll so. See. Stay tuned. We're just 13, yeah. so stay tuned. I was going to say, that's not quite pro. We're one year in. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, I'll completely agree. I think one of the things that um, that I've worked on for a long time, um, as we have a little bit of a commute between home and school and places like that, we have kind of an unwritten rule that my son doesn't use devices unless we're going on a trip. And so um, unless there's like a specific reason, like if he's playing DJ or something in the car, obviously like he can, you know, 
use this one for that. But we just kind of use that time, even if it's just to quietly process. Um, Sometimes at the end of the day, both of us are super introverted. And so sometime at the end of the day, we just need you know, 20 or 25 minutes of no voices, <laughs> each other's or anything else. And so, um, but when we have just kind of this unwritten rule that we don't really, he doesn't watch videos and that sort of thing in the car usually. And then that, even if we're not saying anything, it's still open space that he could say it if he wanted to. Sort of like Melissa just taking the time to just have a sitting time where she's just available. Um, and so I've learned lots of things about um, things that happen at school or things that his friends are going through, that sort of thing, just by having that open air time for like 20, 25 minutes while we drive. We did not do any driving during the quarantine. We were pretty much at home. So we had to find other ways to have that open air. And so sometimes it was, yeah. So just having a walk or even just sitting outside on the patio for a little bit. If he was sitting outside with the dogs or something, sometimes I just went and sat by him and just having that time to be available mm-hmm. is is super important. They're all really great tips, ladies. And one of the things that I wanted to mention is um, I have a friend who just had a baby, her first baby, about a week, maybe two weeks ago. I can't remember the exact day it was, Um, but she's been calling me asking for how do I get started in the right direction with sleep and all these things. And I was just explaining to her, like through all the babies that I've had, I feel like the most productive use of your time when your kids are really little is just learning how to read their cues, the things that they communicate before they're even using words, just the signs of, is the baby starting to get tired? Then respond and set in motion the steps that are leading towards these are our sleep habits and sleep routines. And that idea of reading our kids' cues is something that happens at every stage after that in different ways. And um, so when I think about how I intentionally try to check in with my kids, I am trying to read their faces and read the signs of what they may not be saying at that moment. And yesterday, my um, third born, who is my second son, he was sitting at the end of the table and I could just tell there's this frustration all over his face and tears welling up in his eyes. And he hasn't said a word, but I can just see there's something about to erupt there (laughs) that, you know, whether it's going to be an anger outburst or some kind of meltdown. And when I looked at his face, like he looked straight at me and I looked right back at him and I just said, do you need a hug? And um, so as we're talking today, it's just like, of course he stood up and I hugged him for a long time and, you know, he calmed down and um, some of it is just that we have nine people in a small house. (laughs) So he's just like, there's no space. And I'm like, I know, like, this is, this is just our reality right now. Um, but it just made me think of the, the three things that I would say are the most practical tips I could offer in this direction is when they're little and you see that things are not necessarily going as smoothly as you want, I would say offer a snack. And whether that's nursing your baby or getting out some goldfish crackers and that snack really represents you right now have my attention. And, you know, the snack is not necessarily about the food, but I think you can offer a snack as a really practical tip. Um, When they're a little bit older, I think you can offer a question. So that is just signifying I'm giving you this attention and this is your opportunity to share with me what's on your mind. Um, It's also like you were talking about Mary Kate, if there's a conflict between kids or whatever, that I think that from eight, nine, 10, 
on, they really respond better to how could you possibly contribute to peace in this conversation? Or, you know, how could you bring resolution to this issue that you're having with your sibling? They're creative. They have ideas. Sometimes their ideas really astound me. Like I wouldn't have thought of that, but it is something that moves them in the right direction. And it also makes them think about mm-hmm. it, which I think is really beneficial for them. We use, how do we build They're community? Wonderful. Like how can you yes. build community right now? Yes. Ours is how can you add peace to our home? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> And then the last thing I would say is offer a hug, which is physical support, which, you know, with my son, his frustration, I just think he needed someone to say, I see you and I'm here for you. And I didn't even need to say it. I just needed to to hug him. And it seemed to be a really pivotal moment for the day. And so those seem easy to me. <laughs> offer a snack, offer a question, offer a hug. When you talk about reading cues, I'm reminded of Beth Robinson's essay, Thoughts in Her Head, where she talks about like when when her oldest was tiny, she knew everything that was going on with her. Like when they're little, they just like jabber on and on and it's 80% yeah. nonsense, whatever. Um, but you know what they're <laughs> thinking by the time they can talk, certainly. And even when they're littler, if you learn yeah. their cues and learning those, the nonverbal cues helps when there's not necessarily a lot of conversation, which is what, what Beth was talking about, that her, her daughter wasn't, was kind of processing internally and not, mm-hmm. um, not sharing all of that anymore. And she's like, it's okay. She's doing okay. Yeah. It's okay. I, I love your suggestions, Emily, um, particularly just offering a hug. It's just a simple reminder of how important that is. And like you said, you hit the nail on the head, like you're communicating to your child that like, I see you and I can tell something's heavy on you and I'm here, you know, and it's not like you jumped into, you know, fix the problem right away. You know, you were like, Hey, I see you come here. And I'm just going to, sit with you in this moment. And I think that is so powerful. And how often do I need that as an adult, like just to be mm-hmm. seen, not to have someone come in and fix my problems, but just to see me and sit with me. And then yeah. even offering a snack, I just think of, um, when we first moved to Western Michigan, I read, uh, Brie McCoy's book, come and eat. And it's just a beautiful way of looking at the table and gathering around the everyday table and her big point, And she talks about to her growing up, how her parents made such a safe space in their home. Um, and how a lot of times like those safe spaces happened around the table because when you're sitting down, the act of eating, it's very vulnerable because you're relaxed. Your defenses are down. You're there to like, you know, I think of like what it means to eat from just a like physical perspective in your body, you know, like you engage your parasympathetic nervous system and your body's primed to rest and digest. And when you're sitting down and you're eating and you're restful and you're in that place, like it is an invitation to open up. It's an invitation to community. I think about the ways I like to engage with other people in my community and build relationship is over a meal. And that's what the snack does for the kid. It's saying like, we're going to sit, we're going to rest. We're going to, we're going to open up this space for you to share what you want to share. And it's just, those things are so simple, but so powerful. Yeah. I have just one funny thought about eating, being vulnerable. You said that, that phrase, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, there have been at least two, maybe three times in the last couple of weeks where I've had a scheduled zoom call and I have not eaten my dinner. It's prepared on a plate next to my computer, but there is no way that I am going to take any bites on that Zoom call camera because it's just like 
seriously, these people do not want to see me chomping my food and, you know, (laughs) the whole thing. I mean, there are some, you know, there are some, what's the word? There are some exceptions. (laughs) I cannot think of words. (laughs) There are some exceptions, but I think on the whole, like, it is a really vulnerable thing and you don't necessarily share your time eating with people who are not at a certain level of intimacy with you in relationship. And so that was just to me, a kind of a funny example to explain, Mm -hmm. like it is really a vulnerable thing to share food together with people. And uh, I just love that you said that. Yeah. And that was, that was all Brie McCoy. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, like when you invite someone to come and eat, you know, you're inviting them to much more than just to, you know, provide a meal. And so I think when you said that, offering your child a snack. It's not a distraction. It's not a way like, here, here, eat this. It's a way of saying like, here, let's have a snack. You know, you want a snack and then it gets their focus off of it. But then what does that moment open up for your relationship? So, so good. Well, this is going to be our last episode for a little while on the podcast. And the reason is that our team is working really diligently behind the scenes on a super awesome project that we are not going to tell you about today, but we will be when we come back in August. And so without giving away all the details, ladies, I just would love to hear a little bit about what you're excited about regarding this project. I'm just excited to share with with our people, with all of you guys. I'm I'm really excited about the way that this project is going to potentially help bring our community together. I mean, like we have a really great virtual community going here and our whole mm-hmm. team has to connect virtually because we live all over the country. Um, but I just really see this project being able to bring moms together in, in real life. I've had a lot of thoughts about this okay. over the past week. And yeah, I haven't even shared with you all, <laughs> but I just see so much potential for, um, some really beautiful, deep in real life, like gathering. Oh yeah. So, I can see that. I'm excited about so that. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been so fun to see. This is something that has been kind of cooking, on the back burner in my mind for a long time. So to see it come together in such a beautiful collaborative manner, um, I think is probably what I'm most excited about is just the idea. What was funny is like there's writing involved and I was going back to my blog that I started years and years ago and just trying to find a few things that I wanted to include from old writing of mine and realizing that the themes that we're exploring and the things that we're bringing this project together around are things that I have been thinking about for six, seven, eight years, Mm -hmm. not realizing at that time that these, these were the things that I've really been thinking about so much. And so seeing the, the little crumbs that lead to the cookie Mm -hmm. sort of, sort of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, is just been one of the most meaningful things to me. Yeah. I really, um, like our, our, Wednesday morning Zoom calls are like the highlight of my week at home. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm shouting at kids through the whole thing and on mute, <laughs> um, like like our team is just so, there's just something super special um, that happens when we all get together. And I am excited to put something out that is all of us together. Like we've, we've all, we've all, put things out, podcast and, and blog individually sort of together, like loosely affiliated. Um, but you guys don't necessarily see 
us when we get all together. And it's yeah. really fun. And I'm excited. If only we could it. share recordings of our Marco Polo conversations with oh. everybody. <laughs> or, just, or just record, like have a, have a YouTube channel where we record our weekly <laughs> meetings. Yeah. Post them. Because it's ridiculous. So <laughs> yeah. One thing I did want to talk about on this podcast episode is just even though there have been a lot of limitations of connecting in person with people because of COVID-19 and all that stuff, it, there really is a lot of value in having a virtual mom squad, which is what our team has become for one another. And so I'd love for you guys to just share, um, even though it's, I would say, still not as satisfying as face-to-face time with friends in person, it is really darn satisfying to have these connections and relationships and the support and the encouragement and especially Mary Kate's enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) She, she just exudes enthusiasm for life and it's just always wonderful to just have that kind of energy and support from people, even when it's through a screen, it doesn't make it any less meaningful. And so I'd love for you guys to share your thoughts about a virtual mom squad. For me, this is actually really interesting because I've never had like friends I've made through the internet before. (laughs) That's just not been a thing. So you guys are my first internet friend. (laughs) And the timing of um, Bethany and I joining this kindred mom group, I was actually very close to the beginning of the whole COVID like stay at home stuff. And so for me, it was weird because it almost felt a little bit like I went from like one group of friends that was in person to a completely different group of friends that picked up all of the slack <laughs> mm-hmm. because we, and, and sometimes literally right. on slack yeah. because we can, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, we are working together towards some things, but also just doing mm-hmm. life together and sharing like, here's the thing I'm growing in my garden. Here's the squirt I'm wearing today. Here's like the crazy thing my kids did, um, or, you know, a conversation I'm having in my house. And it's been, it's been really, really encouraging. And I honestly don't know if I would have kept my sanity if I hadn't had like virtual connections during this time, but you guys at Kindred Mom have been a huge part of that Mm. for me. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, for me, it felt like because I've, I've been doing this for a, a little, a little bit longer, like, it, it felt like our Zoom calls on Wednesday mornings when everything was on Zoom and my nine-year-old was on Zoom and like, what in the world? Um, <laughs> it, it just felt like this piece of normalcy because this is just always how we do it. Um, yeah. and, and it felt like this was the one set of sort of normal relationships. Like I have a, a couple other long distance friendships that stayed sort of the same where we could kind of do life in the same way we always have. But um, it's the, it was actually the, the distance, the online relationships that have saved my sanity because they didn't, they didn't get upended in any way really. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and also you guys, I hate, like my kids won't, let me touch plants if they happen to have them because I kill them. And I'm talking to my husband about building me um, raised beds next year. Cause we have so many like amazing gardeners in this group. And they're <laughs> like throughout the spring, they're like, look at what's growing. Look at like the little egg crates on in my windowsill that are growing things. And um, mm. I'm like, oh, okay, I think I might actually grow some food now. 
This is yeah. awesome. This is the best kind of peer pressure ever. <laughs> They're like, I'm going to grow a plant. <laughs> I just, I want to say that one of the things that I love about our virtual mom squad is that like, first of all, I don't think I ever would have had the opportunity to get to know any of you people at all, except for Jay Jones. Cause we used to go to the same church back in Illinois. Like she's the only person that would have ever had the opportunity to get to know outside of the internet. But the rest of you, it's because of technology and, you know, writers groups and kindred mom and different things that I can call you my friends and go fly across the country to stay in one of your homes without meeting you in real life. Right. Like, it's, like, seriously. And nobody got murdered. And, yeah, no, we did. We had a great time. It was totally legit. But like, but for real, like, I would have never had the opportunity outside of the internet technology and the online community. And what's amazing about it is, you know, in, in my real life, a lot of my mom friends are a lot like me in the sense that like we are, um, homeschooling crunchy moms who, you know, are all about that crunchy mom life. And like, it's great. It's fine. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for all my mom friends no matter what they're like. But what I love about this group is, you know, and that's just one example of the crunchy mom thing, but like, we are not all the same. We all have different passions. We all have Mm -hmm. different desires. We all have different experiences. We all have different opinions about all the things. Mm -hmm. But I feel so close to you all. And I feel like I'm a better person because I know you, because you have different experiences and and passions and things that you teach me all the time. And I just Mm -hmm. can't help but think like, this is so rich and it's so good for me. And, you know, another thing that's important is like, you, you all love the Lord. And not that I can't have friends that aren't Christians. Like I absolutely want that, but because we have that in common, like you make me like want to love Jesus more and go after him more. And you help me see him in my everyday life and in my parenting. And you're there to remind me, like Emily's like, Mary Kate, I'm just going to be straight with you and tell you that I think, you know, this is coming from a place of fear. And sometimes I need that. Like I need the friend, but I also need the sister who's going to be like, all right, girl, like I'm going to help set you straight. And so you guys just help me grow as a person, as a mother, as a woman in so many ways, like every single way I can think of. So that's just what's been so valuable. I love that. It kind of goes hand in hand with that. I think the thing that I've loved the most about the virtual um, sisterhood that we have started here is the perspective that you guys offer, um, especially that was offered you know, it's kind of easy to be like, I've been in these four walls with this one child for, yeah. you know, and so um, it was so valuable to me to be able to get on and hear what's happening inside the walls of your home and see people um, who were doing things that were the same, but also a little bit different. And um, so a lot of um, the thing that I think I took away the most during this time was just the perspective that all of you have and offer. And um, like Mary-Kate said, it was just the this beautiful moment of getting to know all of these people that are very different from me um, as far as um, where they live and what they do and how they interact with their kids and all of those sorts of things. But it just was so beautifully harmonious because it comes from a place of um, loving Jesus and also loving other moms. And I think that um, just being able to take that uh, 
kind of that root and be able to grow it into friendships that really span across the nation um, has been really powerful. I like that you said harmonious as thinking about how, like, if we were all the same, it's like everybody playing the same note and that's got its place for sure, but it can't be all of it. Like you need, you need some diversity to have beautiful and interesting music. And, um, I have, I have just enjoyed that. Like I, I, it makes our work better for sure. Mm -hmm. And it, and it also makes our friendships better. I remember the first conversation I had face to face with Jay, like, like she was like, Oh, you are challenging me. And that's a, that's a phrase I've adopted from her and throw back at her on the regular. Cause there, there are some ways that were very alike in some ways that were very different, but the chance to challenge each other and be challenged yeah. is very, very important yeah. and sacred. I just value all your guys' input about this. And I think the thing that I just wanted to highlight from my vantage point as someone who kind of masterminded this adventure for Kindred Mom, I didn't ever imagine that it would be what it is. Like I had this idea or this desire to connect with other women, to encourage moms and to do that in a collaborative way. And what it has become is far beyond my imagination. It is so life-giving and really meaningful. And I think that in order for me to be able to do that, because when I first started Kindred Mom, I was nervous about sharing my vision with like a round table of people because we really do make decisions together. And it's not, I, I decide this and everybody comes along with. It's I bring my thoughts and everyone brings their ideas. And then we talk together about our best steps forward in every different area of content that we're creating and things that we're doing as a team. And I was nervous at first that if I shared my space or my creativity in this way that I would somehow lose my own vision or lose my ability to do the things that I wanted to do. And I feel like what God has taught me in this process is that when you are vulnerable to invite people in and not see them as competition, but see collaboration and connection as, as something of a high priority. And you can also do that with just your honest, like I've brought my honest fears and concerns and struggles about things. And I've just been so received with love and grace for you guys. And I just want moms who are listening to this love fest that we're having right now. <laughs> I'm not, not just be like, I, I want in that group. Like you can make your own groups. You can just mm -hmm. make an invitation and, you know, decide who and how you would want to reach out and invite women into things. I feel like I've been spending the last 10 years of my motherhood journey inviting people. I invite people to Bible studies that I lead in person or on Zoom. I invite women into creative work together and move in the same direction. I invite people to call me if they ever want to talk about anything related to motherhood or homeschool or, um, and there have been a lot of invitations that I have given that have just fallen to the ground and not gone anywhere. But the ones that do make a connection, they make friendships that are, to me, these are some of the dearest friendships in my life, whether or not I get to see you face to face, whether or not, you know, we actually have family vacations together or whatnot, which I would love <laughs> for that to happen in the future when it's not a crazy pandemic time. But I just... Um, <laughs> Can get our 50 children together. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy, right? Uh, yeah, I just, I want to say that you can just invite and, and you might be surprised who responds and you might be surprised how incredibly meaningful those relationships can become, even though it's through technology. And so 
we're not sharing all these things to say, look at our awesome group because we're so great. We are so great. You guys are so great. But, um, (laughs) you know, really the hardest to see moms build solid connections with other moms because I just think it is it's a fruitful use of our energy and a fruitful use of our time. And I mentioned to say this, uh, like half an hour ago when we started recording, but I was most blessed in this series by the moms who have kids that are 10 plus years older than my kids. Um, it just mm-hmm. has reminded me that, um, I think it's hard sometimes when there are are differences in the stage of parenting that you're in that you want to hear the moms who can relate to where you're at. And sometimes those older moms feel like, oh, they don't remember how hard this is, or they don't like there we we make this divide of like somehow they don't get me where I'm at. But I just was reminded from the series that we really need those older moms in our lives, like just their perspective, their encouragement, and maybe they don't totally remember what it's like to be super sleep deprived or dealing with an illogical three-year-old or, you know, like (laughs) they probably have memories of that, but just, they don't have to match our experience, like step for step to have so much to offer in the way of hope and vision and perspective about what is ahead. And I found myself really encouraged by all of those women who contributed to our series. And I hope we have more moms who are a couple of steps ahead who will continue Mm -hmm. contributing to our series topics going forward because I think that we really benefit from all the voices being here Mm -hmm. sharing on these motherhood stories so I will say in August that we have um, when we kind of reconvene after a summer break we're going to be starting a series on connection. We're calling it the connect series. And so any moms who might listen to this podcast, who are not yet part of our writers email list, please go and subscribe on the website the for writers page, because I'm going to be sending out some information about the connect series. And um, it's just going to be a really lovely exploration of, of what connection looks like now that we do have so many more considerations and limitations on how we can safely do that. So um, just really want to invite you into that. Somebody else has when some, are we, yeah. um, I was just going to ask, when are we receiving submissions for that series? They are due on August 1st. Okay. They're coming in now. They are coming oh, in good. now. Yeah. It's yeah. open, but. All right. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear to anyone listening who maybe has written for us in the past or hasn't written for us yet. We love hearing from you. Yes. So. Yes, please. <laughs> we do. And sometimes when you contribute to our community, you become part of our team. So <laughs> we suck you in. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that happens because we just, we just really love this collaborative space. So I want to wrap up, but if you have anything else that you wanted to say as we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to say that. I just wanted to say as, as we were having our little love fest, um, like it, it sounds so much like, you know, (laughs) we have this amazing thing going and we do, but honestly, you guys, we are from four different time zones and like lots of different stages and lifestyles and political views <laughs> represented. And if, if this like ragtag bunch of moms can make a community, like you can, you can find somebody and it's not easy. It's not easy, but it can, it can certainly be forged. And I just wanted to encourage you all in, 
in trying, like just, just keep trying because you can do it and it's lovely. I have, I have already decided in the course of this conversation. And now that I'm going to say it out loud on the podcast, I will be committed to it. (laughs) I think, I think that we need to write a resource for how to create a virtual mom squad with our tips about what has made this group incredibly worthwhile and, and just some of the, cause I think we have some unwritten rules about just applying mm-hmm. grace in every situation and, you know, just so look for that soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's the <laughs> first we we've go. heard of it, Yeah, um, <laughs> no, maybe but it is going to be amazing. Well, this, this is how things work around here is Emily has an it idea <laughs> and, and, and Emily Someone has another Emily. idea. <laughs> Uh, all right well we thank you guys so much and bethany and melissa we're super glad to have you on the team and we're excited to share what is coming up for kindred mom in the next few months and mostly just um hope you guys have a safe and wonderful summer with your kids